Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hey guys, my name is Justin, and you're on Inverse, and we are looking at a very important topic of the Gospel Commission and its role in Seventh-day Adventism and Adventist history. We're looking at the topic of Adventist history of the last 12 weeks, and we are finishing up this topical arc, and we're so happy that if you have joined us for all 13 weeks, uh, kudos to you. If this is your first week, you want to go to inversebible.org, and you want to catch up on... um, those lessons, and you can also look at the videos on hopetv.org slash inverse. Uh, we're going to have a word of prayer, and we'll jump into Matthew chapter 28, which is where uh, the Great Commission is found. Uh, Siku, if you can pray for us. Yep, sure. Let us pray. Loving Father, we thank you that um, you've brought us through this study of the history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We thank you for the way that you've guided the church up until now. And most importantly, we thank you for leading us in understanding scripture. And we pray that we would have a commitment to studying your word and that even now your spirit would be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. Matteo 28. I'm not there yet. 28. Matthew 28 and 18 through, let's see, uh, Israel, if you can read it for us. Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20. Mm-hmm. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All right, so we've looked at different components in Adventist history. Very important because every time there was an issue or some new contribution, it was always rooted in the Bible Mm. where it came out of this. uh, It it spurt out of the Bible uh, text, whether that be the sanctuary message, health message, whether that be uh, the Godhead and the development of that understanding, the sanctuary doctrine. the Sabbath, the Sabbath, health, health. Uh, mentioned already. The three okay. angels' messages are being our, our main drive that we looked at last week, and then here, uh, this this uh, episode is is called "Go Tell the World." This missionary activity has always been very very important in the Adventist Church. Um, when it first started, not as much. It was mm. more, hey we are the Advent believers and we are the ones that are gonna see Jesus come, so we just gotta be faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, under, after understanding Matthew 24 and 25, we're like, hey, there's a delay going on and maybe what? Well, maybe something has to happen. Mm. And then Matthew 24, it says, "You shall, the gospel shall go to the ends of the world and then the ends shall come. And they're like, hey, maybe we gotta go do some, some missionary work. Yeah. So now this is where the role of missionary institutions, medical institutions, educational institutions, all just all started revving up. Mm-hmm. And it's just part of our DNA as as Adventists, as the last day remnant people found in Revelation 14, uh, to be active in, active yeah. in Israel. Yeah, you know, I, I, as you were speaking, what was kind of stuck, uh, struck me in my mind was that when the early Christian church started, Acts mm-hmm. chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, 
Jesus told them, you know, he gave them a message, he gave them an identity, he gave them a mission. Mm -hmm. You will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Mm -hmm. If you look at what is taking place immediately following that in Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, right? All of this just incredible growth is taking place, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Peter preaches a message which by homiletic standards, you don't kind of feel like this is a powerful, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it's not like a sermon that you're like, whoa, you know, Mesopotamia is gonna make you cry, right? <laughs> it, it's not it's not like that, right? And then but but it's growing and then all of these different it's not free from opposition. I mean, they get beat up, there's hypocrisy yes. in the church, all of this stuff is happening, mm -hmm. yet none of it prevents the church from growing. Mm -hmm. It just grow growth after growth after growth after growth. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that when you reach uh, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 8, 9, and then onward, tragedy strikes the church, mm -hmm. and that causes the church, persecution causes the church to spread. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, the church would have been comfortable staying in Judea, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so you need kind of a disappointment, mm. a blow to the church that seems to be catastrophic in order to get it to, to advance. To disseminate everyone out there. Yes, and yeah. to accomplish the mission which mm. God had given it. And I think similarly what happens with the Seventh-day Adventist church takes place, right? Mm -hmm. The church, th these a group of people are experiencing revival and reformation. They're understanding truths of Scripture that have never been revealed to them. There's kind of like an awakening that is taking place mm -hmm. around the United States in certain areas. People begin to study the Bible, and they find the precious truth that Jesus is coming and that he's coming soon. Mm -hmm. As they begin to study, they experience a new relationship, a walk with God. There's a revival in their life. But had mm -hmm. they not experienced a disappointment, Mm -hmm. They never would have spread that gospel to the end of the world, which was God's original commission to them mm -hmm. or to us. And so I find that sometimes history repeats itself and that God mm. uses these, disappoint, this, these disappointing experiences to help us in the accomplishment of our mission. Mm -hmm. So God uses the negatives even for his glory. Yeah. Um, I love the story of well, in the early church of... Um, uh, when they started realizing they got to go outside of who they are, and then mm -hmm. they start, we got to be missionaries, and we got to go to Europe. Yeah, that's where the mission field. I mean, it just it just shows you the, the how the world was so different back then. Well, at first it was like just within the U.S. Iowa, like we got to yeah. go west in the U.S. Yeah. Iowa, oh, yeah. the frontier. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Iowa is still a mission field. It's, true. <laughs> it's, it's a foreign land. It's true, <laughs> but kidding, there's, love this, Iowa. there's this mentality <laughs> yeah. that if I'm going to be a missionary, I have to cross an ocean mm. out there. I mean, just moving to Iowa is just relocating and, and doing <laughs> ministry. But you know, crossing the ocean to to Europe, I mean, that's that is a missionary, and uh, I believe. I believe 150 years ago to this year, right? To the year that, that we're recording. To next year. Is it to next year? Mm -hmm. well, by the time that this is released? To... Anyway. Around yeah, this time. Around, around this time. time. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> to, by the time about 150 years that Adventism sent one of its best qualified individuals to Europe. A uh, story that he lost his wife before the trip, but he went anyway, mm -hmm. and then he lost his daughter in 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 the uh, mission in the mission of was it Switzerland yeah. that he was in, mm -hmm. and uh, that's a rough conditions to live in Switzerland in the days. mission field, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there was uh, not that much wealth there. Yeah. <laughs> and then the mission mentality was really, hey, we got to go to other Protestant Christians and help them to understand yeah. the Advent message, mm -hmm. and then slowly spread to not just. 
Protestants, but also Roman Catholics and, you know, the whole Babylon, Revelation 14 thing. And then eventually it morphed to today where we have now going out into uh, that are not predominantly Christian areas, the 1040 window, uh, sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America now becoming totally mission sufficient, meaning not 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 that the the task is over, mm-hmm. but now their natives are uh, native missionaries are are being being equipped and trained and, and dispatched. But there's other areas like the mid mid uh, the ten forty in the middle, middle east, uh, east mm-hmm. and some parts of Asia where you don't have that mission capacity and mm-hmm. you need some international uh, missionaries always to complement the, the work that already exists, exists there. Mm-hmm. Why why is mission work such a part of the Adventist identity? Mm. Uh, we're known for our Sabbath keeping. We're known for our health are we also known for our mission mission service that's a good question um i think that we could do much better i'll mm-hmm. be honest um i, I served as a missionary myself mm-hmm. uh, in that in go? that original sense uh, i went to the marshall islands mm. i crossed a lot of oceans lot and of oceans. went very far yes <laughs> yes as far as you can basically go from europe but um <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah yeah it's on the other side huh. um but Antipod. Antipod. <laughs> yes yeah but it, it's um you, you look at other denominations and other religions, they, I mean, not everyone is mission-minded, but, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the Mormon church, mm-hmm. they have thousands of missionaries. I mean, like mm-hmm. 70,000, you know, and there are reasons why and these all, and so on, but I think we could do better as far as uh, leading the mission work in the territories that have not predominantly been reached by the gospel. Mm. And I believe that our church is moving in that direction. We have been doing work. That I'm not saying it's not been doing, but there's, there's going to be, I think there's going to be much more emphasis. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, your question was why we should do it? or Why 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 is this part of the part Adventist of the, DNA? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. So we, we've been talking a lot about our, our eschatological um, mm-hmm. relevance. Mm-hmm. And in the, the three angels' messages, as we talked about last week, is a message that goes to every it's nation, global. tribe, tongue, people, like everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you might think, well, you know, globalism, internet, haven't we reached, isn't it accessible to everybody? No, it's not. There Mm -hmm. are literally billions of people who have never heard of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Even though it's out there, the information, it's not always accessible Mm -hmm. uh, or even in their language. Mm -hmm. Um, The Bible still has to be translated into thousands of languages that Mm -hmm. don't don't have anything yet. Mm -hmm. So there is a massive need yeah. For people to to hear the gospel and to just sit around and be comfortable in a in in you know if you're in yeah. in the global north or the west, uh, this is not what we're called yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes contrary to the very uh, philosophy of heaven. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, I mean, you know, God could have said, you know what, we've sent them the prophets, we've sent them, you yeah. know, what I'm saying we've <laughs> sent them the word, but Jesus never stops mm-hmm. in pursuing people. Yeah, so much so that literally, you know, he changes. His who he is, right? To come and to mm-hmm. incarnate, to be one with humanity in order to mm-hmm. share the gospel with us. Mm-hmm. And that is our example. You know, our example mm. is to be like Christ. We should go to the ends of the of the world mm-hmm. and to be one with the people mm-hmm. to reach them as Christ has uh, done so for us, mm-hmm. reached us. You know, when we read uh, Matthew 28, uh, verse 19 and 20, we see a lot of verbs there. Uh, we do emphasize the first verb that we see a lot, go ye therefore, or go therefore, and we, there's always this going component, right? And that's that sounds exciting to us. We like going. Uh, we cynically say there's a lot of tourist uh, evangelism where you go for two weeks to Aruba, 
to do an evangelistic series there to build a church or you go to the Bahamas and, and these places, hey, they need the gospel too. Mm-hmm. But then after two weeks there, you come back or sometimes you go to some rough parts of the of the earth. I'm not going to mention which countries, but you go there and you just, you, you, you gruel through it. Is that a verb? Um, and then, and then you, you know that at the end of the at the end of the week, you, you're going to come back to you know air conditioned, mosquito free, uh, mm. uh, Western world. Um, there is that, but the emphasis there in Greek is not on the go. Uh, that is a participle. The emphasis is not on baptizing or in verse 20 teaching. Uh, these are all participles. They're not in the imperative. There's only one imperative verb there, and that verb is make disciples. Yeah. Uh, another word for that is maybe it's not proper English, but discipleize mm-hmm. others. And so we, I think, you know, the, my my imagination is when we think of missionary. I always think of uh, a Caucasian doctor going into the villages and with a stethoscope and with a stethoscope <laughs> healing all these children <laughs> with one by one <laughs> with a stethoscope. Uh, but that's not really. I mean, that's mission work for sure. No, oh, no contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is that bapt, uh, discipleizing each person and following exactly what Jesus is talking yeah. about? I mean, there's, there's more components than just, you know, stethoscopizing people. Right. <laughs> I, I think that the, sometimes we lose, um, we kind of lose our direction because the, mm-hmm. the, the purpose of the stethoscope is to open an avenue to mm-hmm. then be able to, yes. you know, disciple, really. Um, and we love our doctors and we appreciate some of the sacrificial and hardcore decisions yeah. they're making, yeah. and all the, the, the living conditions they're enduring to heal people. Uh, but the emphasis that you're mentioning, Siku, which I think should be double, triple, quadruple underscored, is there's another component. Mm-hmm. Healing is the modality, but not the, the, the goal. Right, and, and just to be careful, it's not to say that we shouldn't do we shouldn't perform acts of kindness for the kindness in and of itself, right? right? It's right. not It's That's not right. saying yeah. that, but it is saying that we do have a unique calling mm-hmm. um, and, and a particular mission that God has given to us. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've been studying um, this, this topic, the thing with relation to what we're discussing right now, when we spoke about doing acts of service, acts of benevolence, um, caring for social needs, that that comes like as an outflow of just being like Jesus, yeah. right? Like it's not this wasn't like the mission is to go and heal the sick and da 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 because then when Jesus comes, he's like, I went and I healed the sick. Mm-hmm. No, it's the that's an outflow of who you are mm. being like Christ, mm. right? But the mission is you have to proactively, intentionally mm. plan for it, sacrifice for it. To go and make disciples. Mm. To go and make disciples means I'm taking time out of my life. I am taking resources out of my life mm-hmm. to go and intentionally be there for someone. And this this um this lesson hit me at a at a personal level because I was working as a as a, a campus missionary, uh, working as a on a, on a public university campus, giving Bible studies on a campus. You know, I met students, gave Bible studies. And then after my tenure at that university was done, I moved on to the next university and it was like, okay, bye-bye. I did my job here and I'm done. Mm. And I, like, I mean, I look at this with a lot of remorse and a lot of regret. I said goodbye to the relationships that I had mm. spent a year building, yeah. you know, and the investment of time, which that was. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was not thinking making disciples. I was thinking, go, preach, Mm -hmm. teach, Mm -hmm. right? 
But the make disciples is an investment of your life, yes. right? It's not just an activity. It's it it takes more out of you mm-hmm. to the, the mm-hmm. disciple making experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. I fully agree with you. When I was uh, when I was working as a missionary in the, in the Marshall Islands, I was uh, primarily teaching there, and I was always like, well, I, I got to make sure. You know, I was teaching all all classes: math, English, everything, social studies, and. But like I was like, oh well, we better get to the Bible class because that's what it's all about, and it is important. And it was my favorite thing to teach, you know. But um, what I had to learn was what happens outside the classroom, in between the in between the teaching, in between the the Bible lessons, was essential as you as you as you as you are immersing, incarnating yourself, as you said, like in, with, with the people around you, you are you know living to them the gospel, mm-hmm. um, so that they will. You were earning their trust, so that you can also teach the gospel, mm-hmm. and that making disciples part is has to do with relationship, with looking at. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He hung out with these guys, mm-hmm. and they looked at him, and they learned, and they grew, and they and, and they saw how he was. They transformed in the process, and so we are we are to emulate this by the help of the Holy Spirit yeah. in in all of our disciple shaping, uh, disciple making activities, whether it's abroad or at home. Um, it's uh, we have to understand it's not a, a one you know a quick thing uh, or two week uh, activity, but it is uh, as you mentioned it's a life it's it's really a lifestyle it's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I love how Matthew really is concluding his gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew uh, was a was from a, from a Jewish background. Mm-hmm. He was writing to the Jews. He's telling he's describing to the Jews about Jesus, yeah. and I love that he's in his genealogy. He's got some um, some unique. Uh, and in genealogy of Jesus, he's got some outsiders in there. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying, hey, we've interacted with outsiders before. And in some of the choice stories he puts in the gospel, he emphasizes that Jesus said mm-hmm. it was the non-Jews that have more faith than the Jews. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always this little bit of a little, little, you know, a jab to the Jews, it's really powerful. trying to get them moving. Like, hey, get outside of yourself. Get outside of yourself. This is what we were supposed to, these are what Jews were originally supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then he concludes his his magnus opum um, op- opus on with with a great commission mm. right the last words of jesus the other guys they 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 focus on some other uh climaxes but here is we got to get outside of ourselves yeah. and we got to go out into the world and fulfill what uh, not as jews anymore but as now jewish christians and christianity mm-hmm. uh for jesus sake um does our church uh, adventism christianity what can we derive from this theology of matthew mm. Justin, I'm glad that you brought this up because uh, I was hoping we'd get to it. From the very, very beginning uh, of the story, even before Christ is born, mm-hmm. I love how Matthew just talks about the fact that the wise men are coming from the, from the, from the east. Not, yeah, non-Jews. Yeah, non-Jews, non-Jews are coming, yeah. and he's, it's yeah. kind of already in the beginning of the story, he's kind of blasting the yeah. Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's showing, you know, even how they got access to the truth was mm. through an apostate prophet, right? Mm. They're watching the stars. They're figuring what's going on. They, I, I don't know if, if uh, they're superstition there, but they're, they're, they're living lives faithful to what they know. So you're referencing, referencing Balaam's prophecy that was recorded in Scripture. It got eventually to Babylon, and then the wise men somehow got it. Got, got a hold of it. Yeah, yeah. and all this yeah. not really through any Jewish means, but really mm-hmm. all— Non-Jewish yeah. pagan means, yeah, yeah. because it was it was from the countries that he was cursing, mm. so they had access to mm. these prophecies, mm. and so they make their way they make their way to the people whose prophecy this was about, mm-hmm. and so the thing like surely you know 
they know their king and whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. And so from the very, very beginning, you have access to these foreigners. And and as you mentioned, you know, there's, uh, you know, uh, the Canaanite woman, there's a centurion who have more faith than uh, the Jewish people who are uh, God's people. You have prostitutes who are in the genealogy, foreigners who are in the genealogy of Christ. All of these different people who we blast the Jews, but even us, like I would not want that in my genealogy, right? Like, hey, you know, my great, 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 great grandmother was a prostitute or, mm-hmm. or you know, mm-hmm. it comes from a weird background. Mm-hmm. No one would want that in mm-hmm. their genealogy, but mm-hmm. God does. Mm-hmm. Jesus does. And it shows us in a very, very real, raw, practical way that the reason why this is okay to say mm-hmm. is because at the end of the day, I can rap now, right? At the end of the day... <laughs> All of us are one family. Mm. You know, we're all one family. And no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, we are one family, mm. brothers and sisters in, in Christ, mm. in under God. And so this sets up in a very real way, it sets up the gospel commission. Mm-hmm. If I truly believe that the people around the world are my brothers and sisters— yeah then not only do I have a a, a calling, not only do I have a command, but I have more than above everything else, I have a great privilege Hmm. to share with them where they come from, what their future is, and how God has created us to live with him forever. And so I love the beauty of Matthew in that way. Mm. I I agree, and it shows the the value of human life um, in God's eyes. He, He... you know, John three sixteen. for God so loved, it didn't say love the Jews or, you know, love the Adventists. He so loved the world. He, he loves every human being with an everlasting love. He died for everyone, every single person. And that is something that we have to, I mean, we probably can never fully comprehend what that really means. But I believe that as we walk with Christ, he transforms our hearts that we will also have that kind of love and compassion for people mm. who are lost. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, um, you know, working as a pastor, I, I had moments where I'm like, Lord, I don't really feel love for these people mm-hmm. that you're sending me to. But then the interesting thing was, and this is, I think, a key for anyone who wants to, like, we, we might often think like, well, I got to have that compassion and love, and then I go. I noticed that as I go, mm-hmm. as I engage with people who need God, I, I, as I see their situation and their need, that's when the compassion and the love comes. And as I then, you know, minister to them, it's like a, it's like a supernatural thing happening because it's not in our natural hearts. It has to be from God. That love that He has for the world, He wants to impart into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we serve people, uh, we 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 get to engage in the same way. And and He shows us the value of each and every one of them uh, as our brothers and sisters as they are, because we are a human mm-hmm. family and the value, the eternal value they have in his mm. eyes, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is for me, you know, the, how I try to see people um, in all their rawness and their brokenness, I try to see them because that's how Jesus sees me, right? Mm-hmm. And he treats me with love. So in the same way, I want to reflect it and treat them that way. I think what you're mentioning is so key in, in this, in this, in this um, anatomy, I use the word anatomy, in this eco- ecosystem, economy, mm-hmm. the system of, oh, I gotta stop, stop disqual- <laughs> disclaimering my, my words. 
in our interaction with God, mm-hmm. we need to be discipled by Jesus, yes. right? Mm-hmm. We follow his footsteps. We listen to his words. He's our rabbi. Uh, he, he tells us. He gives us these experiences daily. But then there's a point where we need to also disciple people underneath us mm-hmm. to be discipled by Jesus, but also to disciple someone else. Whether that means someone next door to someone who someone looks exactly like me, or whether it means to go to the other side of the world and help jumpstart some work there that hasn't been around for mm. or whatnot. But without, uh, sometimes we get into like, oh, we gotta be missionaries and we, we're doing all this activity, we create all these institutions and whatnot, but there's no love. We're not mm-hmm. discipled by Jesus. We're just doing it because it's just for the sake of the work or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's that one-on-one experience that we have with Jesus that yeah. we photocopy to all the other disciples around us, regardless of culture, regardless mm-hmm. of, of language or, or barrier. You know, and, and when I think about, if in my mind, um, what is possibly lacking and, and what makes it hard for us or why we're, we're um, maybe not giving of ourselves as much. Um, mm. Like two things from our study this, you know, in this, this, in this, in this quarter. Um, one is understanding the message that we have and the beauty of the message and at its core seeing Jesus in the message, yeah. mm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that is leads to the second thing, like actually just seeing Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, and who he is. Um, when it comes to, I, I really appreciated that you just mentioned right now, whether it's going overseas or it's going to my neighbor next yeah. door. I think the thing that is consistent when it comes to, you know, sharing the gospel, the way that Jesus did, mm-hmm. is that it comes at a personal cost. Mm. Yeah. Jesus shared the gospel at a personal cost. God sent his son at personal cost, mm-hmm. you know, and at a very high cost. Mm-hmm. And when we see because God. Because that in itself is the message. Yes. Exactly. Rather than us talking and all the whatever, yeah. that sacrifice and that hit that, that is, hit is the message. Exactly, and, exactly. You know, yeah. and, and, and that that's the thing that's consistent, whether he's talking to my neighbor, um, going out of my way to talk to, because, you know, we'll make friends with our neighbors if they're friendly to us, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> like I'll wave if they wave back, <laughs> you know, but, but really going out of our way, yeah. you know, know doing something that we take yeah like that i'm gonna take a hit (laughs) for the purpose of spreading the gospel you know so you know we will take a hit financially because it actually doesn't really hurt that much Mm -hmm. like if we're honest because when was the last time we were giving until it hurt Mm -hmm. until it was like god like we are down to eating the bare minimum, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. no more luxuries, no more veggie meat. Yeah. We're gonna buy, you know, the dry beans. <laughs> okay. We're gonna soak them. You know, like we don't, we, we're, even when we're giving to missions, like yeah. we're not giving sacrificially, you know, I'm, and I'm speaking to myself right now. Mm-hmm. Like what, what, when we're talking about, hurts. yes, yeah. we're yeah. giving. Um, it's a sacrifice, uh, yeah, and but it, it's not, and it's not for the sake of proving anything. No. It's not yeah, because it yeah, makes yeah. me worthwhile. Yeah. But it's when I see Jesus, this is what it does in my heart. Mm. It's like, man, this is what Jesus has done for me. What can I do to share this yeah. with somebody else? Not to pay Jesus back, but because I appreciate so much what he has done. And the beauty is that it says, you know, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So Jesus is going to work with us when we do this work. When we sacrifice, it's he's going to supply our needs. And I've, in my experience, I have been the happiest and most fulfilled Christian as I've not been uh, you know, locked up as a monk and just studying my Bible. But as I go out there and share what I've learned and the love of God, it, it, it is counterintuitive to our sinful human nature, but when we do it, it is the most joyful experience. Mm. And you experience the miracles of God 
in in the process. Israel, really quick, one minute on the clock. What's yeah. your final takeaway after looking at Adventist heritage? I think the greatest, responding to him, the greatest miracle that takes place is that God eliminates fear and indifference out of our lives. We have, over the years, 150 missionaries I've worked with and I've seen over and over and over again. Fear and indifference is eliminated mm-hmm. as we wow. take the message of God, share with other people, and be the Christians that God wants us to be. Amen. Mm-hmm. Jonathan? Um, take away from the whole order. order. Uh, you know, um, I'm excited Jesus is coming soon, mm. and I want to do what he wants me to do in these last days. Amen. Siku? Um, the Bible, <laughs> just like going back to the Word of God for the and seeing Jesus in his Word. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear what your takeaway is after looking at 13 weeks in Adventist history. For me, it's like, man, all this history, but it's really more Bible study coming out of the history is my takeaway. Similar to Siku, we want to hear from what your answers are. And while you are writing that on and, and contributing and, and messaging to us, uh, be prepared for next quarter. We are preparing the next 13 episodes on religious liberty, what Jesus has to say about liberty, especially in our modern context. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Here in Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.